listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata. Thank you for listening again today. I have a very, very interesting episode for you and a very, very vibrant guest. So today my guest is Lillian Rowlett. Now she's half Japanese and Canadian, currently living in Los Angeles. So it was very exciting to speak with someone who is in Los Angeles. And she's the co-founder of Kokoro Care Packages. So these are a kind of a package that you can get sent to you monthly or seasonally. And what they're doing is connecting people who create these amazing artisanal kinds of locally made foods with people all over the world. And a lot of these people are potentially people who are not on the internet, don't have their own websites, but creating amazing, natural, wonderful products that people around the world would love to be able to try. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode and definitely go over and check out Kokoro Care's website and you can find them on all of the different social media. But uh, Lillian created a special discount code for us. So all you have to do is if you decide you would like to subscribe to one of these boxes, just put in the code and it's transformations is the code, okay, to get you 10% off. I was going to say 10% off. 10% off using the code transformations with an S on the end. And yeah, you can enjoy one of these uh, boxes yourself anywhere in the world or even in Japan. So, so, so fun. I can't wait to try one myself because I think, you know, I know when I visit Totori, I visit my parent, uh, my husband's parents, they have all these really great local products that we just can't get when we're living up in Fukushima. And of course, sometimes I can ask my mother-in-law to send them to me, but it did make me think like, I wonder what else there could be out there that we just can't get and we don't know about. That's kind of the beauty of traveling to these places, out of the way places in Japan, especially is is scouring the farmers market or the the chokubaijo where they have you know the the local vegetables and things and finding all these little products that you just never find uh, in the big department stores or even in your just your general supermarket. So it's a really great idea what they're doing and apparently it's just going really really well. And yeah, well I'll just let you hear about it. Okay, so here we go. Here is Lillian. Hi, Lillian. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you for inviting me, Jane. I'm really excited about the conversation we're about to have. Yeah. So yeah, before we get started, tell everyone how we ended up having like you being on the podcast today. This is this is kind of one of those sort of, I don't know, when someone introduces you to someone else and then, yeah, it's really exciting. So yeah, I'm always a big believer in you know, the, the people that you know probably know you best. And there's a lot of opportunities when someone makes a suggestion to, to meet with somebody. So we have a mutual friend, Violet, who's actually been on your podcast before. 
So her and I, we used to work together in finance and I was actually based in New York while she was based in Tokyo. And we both had similar careers. We would worked in finance. We'd been there for quite a long time. I actually spent about 10 years of my career before I, I, I changed the directions in, in the way that my life has been. And I spent 10 years in finance before I ended up launching Kokoro Care Packages, which I'm sure we'll spend some time chatting about. But that's where I met Violet. And she also had a transformation in her life. And she's now living in a rural town in, in Japan and making sort of big changes when it comes to, to agriculture and food and health and wellness and fitness in that direction as well. And she had an opportunity to be on your uh, podcast and thought that, you know, you and I would also have a great conversation. So I'm very much looking forward to, to sharing my story and my journey. And hopefully your audience will enjoy it as well. Yeah. So uh, Violet, who Lillian's talking about, was on episode 105, which was a few, just a couple of episodes back, uh, if you're listening to this now. So go and check out this the one of, uh, with Violet on there, if you haven't already, after you listen to this one. So yeah, that was also a really great conversation about transformations and and doing something completely different with your life. And I think you've got a great story for us about that too, haven't you, Lillian? Yeah, I definitely do. Tell us the, the the story, like where where does this all start? Yeah, so I mean, to give a little bit of background just about myself, I'm a half Japanese Canadian. So my mom is born, uh, was born in Osaka and she left Japan when she was about 30 years old and moved to Toronto, which is where she met my dad. Independently of each other, they, they came to Canada. So I sort of grew up in a very multicultural city and being half Japanese, that was always something that I was very drawn to and very proud of. I was always fascinated by Japanese food and Japanese culture. And so it's always been something that's been a part of me. But sort of as I, I kind of went through university and, and sort of talked about career paths, it was just something that I was interested in, but it didn't really necessarily become something that I thought was going to become a career in any way. So I actually ended up going to university and studying mathematics. And I got my major in math. And then after my four years there, I wasn't really quite sure what I wanted to do career-wise. I thought, you know, having a math degree is great. And there's a lot of different avenues that I could pursue. But I really did want to take that opportunity sort of before I got into a career to maybe explore a little bit more of my heritage and, and that pull I had to really uh, associate more with my, my Japanese side. So I ended up actually spending two years on the JET program, which is a Japanese exchange um, teaching program where you actually get to be in Japan in different cities. So some of them you'll be in big cities like Tokyo, Osaka, or you might end up going to a smaller town. So I was in a, a town of about 130,000 people in a place called Kashiwazaki, which is in Niigata Prefecture. And it was a wonderful experience. I spent two years there and it was really just a way to immerse myself in Japanese culture, learning more about the language, about the food, about the people. And it was an incredible uh, two years that I spent there. And then after that time, I, I came home and I thought, yeah, gosh, what a wonderful experience. But I think when I sort of think about my career, my future, finance was always something that I was very much interested in having a mathematics background as well. So I kind of got my career going. And so I started working in capital markets and this was for those of us who were around at 2008, maybe, you know, as we got to the, mm. the global financial crisis, not the best time to, no. to enter finance, but definitely one of the more interesting times. I remember my boss to this day was saying, you know what, this Lillian, this is, this is a time that we may never see again. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully we don't, but it was very interesting sort of getting your feet wet kind of at a point which sort of things were in a way that we've never experienced before, I think, for the financial markets. But I ended up having a 10-year career in finance. And uh, it was really interesting because I spent, you know, I started off in Toronto. I spent a year in Vancouver. I ultimately ended up going to New York and sort of working on Wall Street. And it was really interesting because I think Japan 
has always been something, as I said, that was a, a big part of my life and who I am. And I ended up actually working with our Japanese team. So I was on the equity sales desk um, covering the Japanese markets. And so kind of Japan kept on kind of popping up here and there throughout my, my life and my career. And after about 10 years, I, I kind of reached a point where you know, I really, I enjoyed the challenges of working in finance, but there was just a deeper part of me that wanted to do more, you know, covering the stock markets is one thing, but there's just so much about the culture and the food and the people that I really wanted to find a way to, to really share with people on a level that, you know, I think people sort of know Japan, maybe they know a couple of things about it, maybe, you know, some of the food, some of the sports, some of the traditions, but I find with the century old traditions and the the way that they sort of really relish a lot of their philosophies that I wanted to find a better way to share it with people. So after 10 years of being in finance, I kind of uh, took a leap of faith and started Kokoro Care Packages. Wow. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about what this is, this Kokoro Care Packages so that people can understand. Like you went from finance to kind of a startup, basically. Yeah, exactly. And so me and my co-founder, so my co-founder Aki Sugiyama is based in in Tokyo. She's uh, she's Japanese born and raised. And even the, the story of us meeting is, is quite, we were talking about connections that you might have. And the story of us meeting was, was well before that Kokoro Care Packages even began. When I was working in finance, I would used to do business trips to Tokyo. And a mutual friend of ours said, you know, you and Aki will just definitely hit it off. The two of you, you're both strong women working in finance, who are very much into health and wellness. Aki was actually a bodybuilder and she represented Japan on the national stage. So she is definitely wow. a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And so we ended up meeting in Japan and just over, you know, she was courteous enough to join me for dinner and we just ended up talking. And we always say to this day, it was almost like we, we met a sister, you know, we, we had so much in common and a lot of it did sort of center around the food that we were eating. And, you know, we're big believers that the food can transfer your body both mentally and physically. And we had such a big conversation just about, you know, the differences that we were seeing in terms of traditional Japanese diet and how, you know, I think so much is changing in terms of the Western influences and how we sort of see that people these days, you know, we, we talk about health and wellness, but in Japan, it feels, you know, especially when you get out of the bigger cities that it's so ingrained in the way that people live, you know, they, they eat seasonally, they try to eat fresh as much as possible. They really do believe in things like fermentation and allowing time to really create the food that we eat. And to us, that really is a big impactor and driver of your health and wellness. And so we ended up having a wonderful conversation. You know, I came back to New York and she continued her life in Tokyo. And then when I left finance and moved out to L.A., she was one of the first people who ended up visiting me because she really wanted to, to sort of see what this, you know, the health and wellness, I guess, mecca of the United States was about. And so we ended up connecting and, you know, we, we kept in touch over the, the months after that. But the idea of Kokoro Care Packages really just sort of started developing as, as a little seed. You know, I would show her even in LA, you know, we have great Japanese grocery stores, but a lot of the quality of the food that's available there, it's, you know, a lot of it has chemicals and a lot of even, you know, some of the restaurants and things like that, it kind of has the typical same stuff. And everyone sort of knows, you know, California rolls and ramen, but they don't necessarily <laughs> know the depth of, of what Japanese cuisine could offer. And so she ended up going back to Tokyo and I was living in LA and we thought, you know what, she was also at a point too, where she was thinking about leaving her career in finance and doing something a little bit more meaningful. And the idea of Kokoro Care Packages just sort of, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I met the right person at the right time and we had the right idea that just sort of felt right to us. And so we thought, you know what, hey, let's, let's give this a chance. You know, let's, why not 
why not just, you know, sort of go with our intuition and go with our guts and, and start our company. And so it's only about two years old now, but what we do is we basically set up care packages. So Kokoro for your audience means, it means heart. So it's a literal translation in Japanese, but it really means emotions and feelings and warmth and sort of, I guess, the deeper meaning of, of what heart sort of means and more of the symbolism behind it. And so what we do is we curate uh, care packages of locally made authentic Japanese food. And so a lot of our farmers and producers that we partner with, they're either small family run farms, they're small batch producers, or they're businesses that have centuries old traditions. So they're really proud of the food and the quality of the products that they offer. And every month and every season, we, we put together a unique care package based around a theme and we deliver it to about 35 different countries now worldwide. Wow. So it's been something that's been growing. Yeah. It, it's been a labor of love, sort of learning about the different uh, the ways to import into different countries and sort of making it work in, in uh, many of the logistic senses. But for us, it's, it's, you know, every month is, it's such an exciting labor of love. We get to think about a theme and think about some aspect of Japanese tradition or culture that we really want to share with people. And we get to find these amazing foods that we send. You know, I think a lot of us can can sort of relate to the idea that food, it's it's generally more than just the food that we eat. And so even though the idea of Kokoro Care Packages really started as a way to introduce people to really authentic food, we found that, you know, what is really maybe even more important, the food itself is the community that we're building, a way for people to reconnect to each other while they're, you know, reminding themselves to sit around a table and have a meal and, you know, share the excitement of trying new flavors and also to connect people to, to Japan and the people who create the food. And so we always like to share the stories of who our producers are, what makes the food so special, you know, a lot of the traditions that they put into each of the products. And so for us, we're really building to us. It's not, it's not just a business. It's really a community of people centered around the love of Japanese food, but so also centered around the respect and the traditions of, of Japanese community and culture. Mm, I have so many questions. So first of all, okay. So you're sending these packages to 35 countries now. Yes. Like a mix of Japanese people or foreigners, like what, what's your sort of ratio of customers that you have? Yeah. So it's actually a wide range. And so we, when we started, you know, we, we sort of thought, well, the easy, I guess the market to kind of target is, is people who maybe are like me, who are, you know, have some Japanese background or heritage, sort of know Japanese food, have spent time in Japan, know that the quality of food in Japan definitely beats anything you can find outside of Japan and sort of really craving those tastes and flavors that we know. So there is a bucket of people who are, are kind of have experience with Japan, but we found over time that there's such a wide range of people. And so people, you know, sometimes ask, you know, what's your target market for us and what are their demographics? And for us, it's more of a, a philosophy. You know, I think that there are a lot of people who maybe know an aspect of, of Japanese culture. And so maybe it's not the food, but, you know, maybe they, they came across the tea ceremony or they practice karate or there's different aspects of Japanese culture or even with the manga and, you know, anime people, there's something that people get drawn to, whether or not it's, it's through just the respect and traditions that people maybe are craving that they don't get in their com own communities or just something about the, the Japanese culture that really sort of sparked their interest. And so our packages became a way for people who haven't even been to Japan, but just want to feel that connection and to learn more about the country through the food. Uh, we also have people like my mom who are Japanese, who, you know, really miss the taste from home. And so it's really become just a wide range of people, the people outside of the Japanese sort of 
niche market who are just really interested in trying new flavors of food. And, you know, they're, they're interested in Japanese food, but they don't necessarily know how to put it together. So we always include recipes to make it really easy. Everything has comes with English translations. And so for them, it's a really comfortable way to sort of start dipping their toe into to what this uh, Japanese cuisine is all about. So we find that we have a wide range of audience. And, you know, I think every Every box that we put together, we try to make sure that there's a little bit of something for everyone. So, you know, if you're, if you're someone who's new to Japanese food, there's, you know, maybe something that you're familiar with, whether or not it be, you know, an udon noodle or something like that. But there's always like a lovely twist that we put to it. So it's not just the sort of the typical, you know, noodle that you might find in the grocery store. It might come with a special seaweed or a special grain that you can only find within Japan. And then for those who know Japanese food, we always try to find really unique products that, are even hard to find within Japan. And actually now, as I say that, when we started, we actually didn't really think about shipping our packages to the domestic market because we thought, you know, it's Japanese food with people in Japan want it. But we found that Aki, with her ability to, to source some of these products, I mean, a lot of them are unique to the regions, even within Japan. So we found that there was demand for from people living in Japan who hadn't been to a certain area in Kyushu necessarily, you know, who or Hokkaido or Okinawa, who really wanted to try those flavors of foods, or they really just love the, the small batch nature of, of the products that we put together. So we ended up also, you know, we ship our pro uh, products uh, within Japan domestically as well. Yeah, I was gonna, that was going to be my next question. Like, do you have any customers in Japan? Because what you're describing to me sounds really nice. I mean, we can't really travel at the moment, even within Japan, or well, we're not supposed to be. Even and so, like, to have that experience of eating some kind of food that's from this little village in the the back end of Kyushu or something just sounds really interesting. A way to enjoy Japan without be, without having to leave your home even in Japan. And yeah, we wouldn't be able to access these little small batch, you know, these small batch producers unless we actually went to their farm or their local chokubaijo where they would sell potentially something. You know, it's it's really hard to know about these all of these great little products that there are in, in Japan, but they're just, you know, produced on such a small basis that you would, wouldn't even know where to start. So yeah, it's a great service, right? Yeah. And that was actually, you know, another reason and another wonderful, I guess, side effect of starting our businesses is that um, as many people know too, within Japan, that there's an aging population and the demographics are shrinking. And so as we started talking more and more personally to a lot of the farmers and the producers, you know, we sort of noticed that, you know, a lot of the farmers they're saying now are above the age of 65. A lot of the kids or the next generation that would have in the past probably taken over the family business, they've moved to the city or, you know, they've moved outside of Japan as well. So we find that a lot of these traditions that have literally been around for centuries really do face the real risk of, of disappearing. And so for us, another wonderful joy of being able to work with these farmers and producers is that we're giving them access to an international market that they wouldn't necessarily have access to. So a lot of these small-time producers, obviously, you know, to figure out, you know, the different, how to import, or sorry, how to export a lot of their products, how to deal with the different countries in terms of languages and things like that. Like it's just really out of their reach. And so for us, we almost feel like we're in this wonderful privileged position where we can help to support these local communities by giving them access to you know, the, the US market, the Canadian market, Australia, Europe, all around the world of people who actually love their products and want to support them as well. So it's been really mutually beneficial and just a wonderful sort of surprise side effect of starting our business. That's really been a big driver of what we do. Mm, that's great. Yeah. My husband's family is from Totori Prefecture and they're, they also do farming. Right. So we go there quite a lot. And so when we're there, we will buy like agodashi, which is 
like a the flying fish that they turn. It's a flying into, fish, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that they turn into dashi, which is the fish fish stock, basically. And you know, like the people who produce that, there's no way they could get that into the international market, but it is really, really good. And another thing they have is like natto. Stamina natto furikake, which is this really random kind of furikake, but it's really good. And so when we go there, we always buy these things and we bring them back home. And I've always wondered, yeah, like how could they access, how could they possibly access the international market with these really niche, really nice products? But yeah, small, small batch and potentially not the knowledge or the know-how to even get on the internet, you know, to even have a website, <laughs> let alone, yeah, export. It's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of times, I mean, I think as we built our business and and maybe sort of getting into the the interesting cultural differences that we're noticing. So as I mentioned, I'm, you know, born and raised in in Canada. I now live in Los Angeles. My business partner is in Tokyo. And so we are the co-founders of our business, but we definitely you know, as we started building this business, we'll, we'll notice certain cultural differences that maybe we hadn't really thought of before. And so this has been a really sort of unique part of our business. You know, and as you mentioned, you sometimes I'll, I'll speak to Haki and I'll say, okay, that's great. Can you send me the website of this company? <laughs> and she'll say, oh, they, they don't have a website. And, and, you know, she'll, she'll say that, you know, in order to get some orders, we have to get to get the orders faxed into us and stuff like that. And so it's been really interesting. I think when you talk about building a business that sometimes, especially as co-founders, you know, you'll, you'll start learning different things about different regions, but we sort of talk, sort of think of ourselves as a bridge between Japan and sort of the, the international market and sort of Aki being the representative of Japan and me being the representative of the international market. But even in our day-to-day conversations, we'll notice that we, we sometimes even, you know, we'll be talking about something and realize, oh my goodness, this is totally different in my country versus yours. And it's really wonderful to sort of see how we are bridging that gap, both professionally and personally in our day-to-day lives. Oh, you're definitely bridging eras, right? So some of these producers are still operating in 1984 and you're in 2021 with, with there are exactly. almost no fax machines left, but they all still work with fax machines. And that's, it's a funny sort of thing from about Japan that still exists is the the fax machine and my parents-in-law have a fax machine and they use it. And I'm like, who do you fax with this thing? Like who is sending you faxes? I don't understand, but yeah, they use it for their business selling melons and nagaimo. So they grow melons uh, they grow like um, the green melons and the orange ones. And they also grow nagaimo in the sand fields in Totori, but they also grow nebariko, which is a long potato, which is this hybrid of nagaimo. And it's more, it's much more like, you know, how nagaimo, when you grate it, it's quite sloppy, like a kind of glue. It gets like pasty and gooey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this nebariko is much, has a much stronger sloppiness. So this is not sloppy. It's very, very sort of sticky. And if you eat it raw, like some people get a stomachache from it. It's not actually great raw. It's actually great just fried or cooked in the frying pan. So yeah, it's a different, whole different kind of potato that they've created, a sort of a hybrid of the Nagaimo. Anyway, so my father-in-law grows these and sends them, sends me boxes of them, like 10 long, massive ones in a box. And so I will hand them out around the neighborhood because we can't <laughs> eat them all by ourselves. But yeah, just the, the variety of produce and things that they have is just amazing in Japan. Well, I love that story that you're telling as well, because it actually does remind me of a lot of the products that sometimes we share because you know, we'll, we'll feature something that I haven't even tried. So I, you know, I'm based in LA and I actually get our care packages at the exact same times that a lot of our, 
customers do. And so I'll start to try something that maybe I hadn't tasted before or something really unique, as you were mentioning, natto, which I'm sure your audience may or may not know is the fermented soybeans that mm. I think you either love it or you hate it, but it does have that pungent, sticky odor to it and texture to it. But it's something that even took me a little while uh, to, to learn to love, which I do now. But we featured a natto koji paste. We've done a sun-dried natto and just different things that, you know, maybe people hadn't heard of or seen before. We did a sobagaki, which is most recently in our Edo area uh, era um, package that we put together, which is sort of the, it's pure soba buckwheat and you, you mix it with water and it almost becomes like a dough that you dip in a sauce. And so it's kind of what's soba noodles were before they were soba noodles. And so there's really such wonderful products and it's just wonderful educational way for people to learn about Japan, Japanese food, and even sometimes for myself. I mean, the amount that I've learned just by running our company and some of the foods that I hadn't heard of before has been really quite amazing. How fun is that, that you get to yeah, learn stuff about something that you care about, which is food, obviously, while you're running this business and you're helping people and you're connecting people and, and giving them, bringing them comfort. And, and especially in this sort of Corona virus era, has your shipping in that been affected with the, the whole like, you know, mail being shut down or? Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned it. I, I remember, I will forever remember this conversation that we were having. And so when COVID sort of started happening and we kind of noticed that Japan Post stopped shipping to certain countries and first it was Italy and then it was Spain and then it was sort of, you know, some of the countries that weren't, that they didn't ship too often to. And so we sort of started noticing this trend and then they stopped shipping to Australia. And I will forever remember, I said to Aki, because she thought, well, you know, we might have to sort of think about what will happen if they stop shipping to the US. And I thought, well, there's no way that would happen because the US is obviously their, you know, their biggest market and there's no way that they would stop shipping to the US. Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I keep on saying, you know, when you start a business, you always try to protect your downside risks and you try to think about what the, the worst possible situation would happen. And little did we know that one of those risks that we were supposed to think about was a world pandemic that was going to take over the globe and stop shipping all packages from Japan to the U.S. So that was definitely a logistical challenge for us. The U.S. happens to be our biggest market. And so we had to sort of start getting creative about how we were going to ship our products. And so instead of using Japan Post, we started importing all the packages literally into my living room and where I was like repackaging them and sending them across to our, our customers within the U.S. But that was a big challenge that we definitely did not expect to happen. But I think as you're running a business, I mean, for us, we we loved what we did do. We believe so much in what we do. And we also know how much it means to people. And I think that that was a really big driver where we thought, you know, I mean, this is a huge problem that we've come up against and nothing that, you know, anyone in this world has ever dealt with before. But we really knew how much our packages meant to people. And it's wonderful. We get so many incredible stories with people, you know, for New Year's, someone was saying they 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 ordered, we had a, a New Year's Oshogatsu themed care package. And so we put together, you know, where it just had little elements of sort of the traditional New Year's dinner. So one of our customers ordered a bunch for her family all across the world. And so that way everybody could have the same Japanese traditional New Year's Day dinner, even though they weren't in the same household together. And we also hear wonderful stories too of people 
sharing, you know, the idea that they they really wanted to go to Japan or they wanted to visit a relative. And obviously now that we can't travel, we're able to, to bring a little bit of Japan to them. And so, you know, if you spent time in Japan, you really know that it can capture your heart in so many ways. And we're so privileged to be able to, to deliver our packages and give that feeling to people, you know, at least once a month if we can. That's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, last year I I was living in Sweden and I was there for over, well, about a year all up in the end. And we were supposed to be there for three years. But during that time, my family, we were we were rationing our Japan tree, I like to call it, our pantry of Japanese products that we had bought with us in our suitcases. And we were we were living, like obviously in Sweden, you can actually purchase a lot of, you know, things like QP mayonnaise or, you know, mm-hmm. goma dressing, all the, you know, sort of basic things to make Japanese food, but it's three times the price. And it's not always the brand that you would have bought had you been in Japan, you know, when there's 10 kinds of goma dressing you can choose from, right? So yeah, that that feeling of not being able to access Japanese food, I really, I really felt that it was, yeah, it was not, it wasn't stressful, but it was like, oh my goodness, we're using up all our furikake. What are we going to do? But <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that was, I guess, a good problem to have is to, as of when we first started our business, we have a, a monthly and a seasonal subscription. And so you can sign up for one, three months, six months, whatever it may be your time frame. And we do actually find that we have customers that literally have been with us since day one. So they've been with us for over two years. And I think what we noticed and, and something that we're actually working on is that, uh, you know, people would fall in love with the product and obviously they can't get it, you know, in their home, wherever they, they may be in the world. And so we're actually going to start doing single item sales where people can pick up their favorites. And, you know, we did hear a story because we heard exact same stories of people you know, relishing the soy sauce or relishing the special seasoning we said, like literally to the very last drop and wondering if they could get more. And so we we sometimes do special bulk items, uh, bike bulk sale prices if you're you're interested in buying, you know, 10 of something just because you want to stock up. But we're sort of the next iteration of our company that we weren't necessarily thinking of it at the beginning when we launched it was to to make these products available as one-off items. So you can kind of build your own package of the the special ingredients and products that you kind of love the most. That's very cool. Cause if you've, yeah, if you've been a long-time customer, you must have some favorites and be like, oh, and I can't, unless I've got my fax machine, I cannot get exactly. <laughs> another <laughs> bottle of this shoyu. Oh, what am I going to do? So yeah, now you're sort of turning into a kind of specialty supermarket as well as the care package, right? Yeah. And we wanted, we want to become a source for people of a way to, to sort of trust, you know, I think it's, um, it's really fascinating when I go to Japanese grocery stores, even when I bring my mom who is Japanese and can read all the labels, we sometimes found that even the English translation of the ingredients necessarily wasn't the same as what was actually in the Japanese package. Or, you know, I, I spend hours going through my Japanese local grocery store trying to find products that don't contain chemicals or additives or MSG. And it's interesting with Japan because I think with, with everything, they have such a dichotomy. I mean, they, they kind of span two extremes on everything. And so when it comes to food, I mean, when you get fresh Japanese food, I mean, really nothing beats it. I mean, you are getting things that may have been foraged that, you know, that morning or picked up at the local market or, or straight from the, the seas of Japan and everything is so fresh and flavorful. But unfortunately, I find when it gets translated into packaged foods, a lot of that stuff, it ends up, you know, maybe there's just a bigger focus on shelf life. And so there's just so many chemicals and additives to things like that. And so it was really frustrating for for me personally and, and sort of me scratching my own itch with our company to find a way to access really good Japanese food 
outside of Japan. And so, you know, I'm a label reader just in my general day-to-day life. I, I think the quality of the ingredients that one eats really does impact their health and, you know, their well-being, their energy and their, their ability to sleep and manage stress. And, and all of that, I really think stems from the foods that we eat. And so for me not to be able to find the food that I love outside that country and to sort of trust that, that the food that I was getting was what I thought it was. So we're really hoping that with, with our company that, you know, we can become a one-stop shop for people where, you know, they can, they can trust that they're going to get the, the best quality ingredients from artisanal producers, you know, with, with traditions and, and customs and culture. And we also want to educate people in terms of the way that, you know, the Japanese philosophies around eating and, you know, taking a moment and pausing and enjoying your food and really tasting the flavors and, and the different harmonies of, you know, finding the right balance of the different, you know, salts and sweets. And, you know, I think that there is a wonderful way that, you know, Japan looks at food and they do look at it as more of a a nourishment than just sort of a quick thing that you have on the go. And so we really hope that, you know, our packages can sort of bring more than, than just the food itself, but sort of a one-stop shop, as you said, for quality and for education as well. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I see packaged food here in Japan. I'm like, how is that not going rotten on the shelf? How can that last? Like, even if it's just like bread or something, you know, how can that bread possibly last for a week that, that you look at the, the, the use by date and, or how, how can that fish and cheese in that packet that's not refrigerated, how can that possibly not go off? Or what is it? Yokai sausage, it's fish sausage. <laughs> just defies, right. it's just, I, yeah, it's scary what must be in there that makes those foods able to last on the shelf for such a long time really is. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right? And I mean, we're, we're big sort of supporters of the idea that uh, we want people to to use the freshest and, and, you know, local produce that they can get at their local farmer's market and then sort of use the products that we send as a way to add a dash of Japanese flavors, you know. So each of our packages usually comes with We'll have something like a, a snack or a sweet that you can enjoy while you're reading our brochure and going through the different products. And we'll have sauces and seasonings that you can even add. You know, I think some people like to try to make a traditional meal out of what we send, but we also love the idea that they can just, you know, add a dash of, you know, make a pasta and then throw in, you know, a little bit of furikake to add a little bit of seasoning or, you know, chop up mm. some umeboshi and, and put it in as a paste. You know, there's so much variety and different ways that people can use our ingredients that we really just want it to be sort of a fun experiment that they get to play with in the kitchen. Do you get your customers to like send you pictures of what they've created with your stuff? You ever get like really wild you know, like people living all over the world with they've used, like they might be in Sweden, for example, but they've used this Japanese thing in this traditional Swedish dish or something. Yeah, it's been interesting. I think we get a wide range of people. I think a lot of people like to take advantage of getting foods from Japan to make Japanese dishes. But sometimes, you know, just through social media and we'll see the way that people are using our products. And sometimes we hadn't necessarily even thought we're like, oh, that's such a that's such a wonderful idea. We, you know, we had somebody make the tsukudani with the nori paste and mix it in with hummus. And so that was somebody actually who's actually based in Japan. We we work with some cooks as well. And her background is, is really unique because she has a, a Middle Eastern heritage, but she also spent time in Canada. And she likes to sort of create these like wonderful, unique fusions. And when we saw that, we thought, oh my goodness, that's so interesting. And then with one of our recent care packages, somebody actually just painted it. They thought it was so beautiful. It was Sakura and Ume was our theme. So we really had the, the pink from the cherry blossoms. And it was just a very pretty package it, I, the way that we had sent it, but they took the time to make a watercolor of it. And it was just, it was so breathtaking to see and, and to see how much that package had meant to somebody, you know, it, it touched our hearts in ways that we didn't expect it to. 
like listening to your story, it seems like, I mean, obviously you have a fantastic idea, but you didn't know how it was going to turn out. And you've, you know, had all these twists and turns in the story of creating Kokoro care packages, but somehow you've, you know, overcome these challenges or yeah, maybe pivoted a little bit to incorporate more aspects to your business as you've gone along. It's very, very interesting to hear this sort of founding story of what's behind the the business that is Kokoro Care Packages. And, uh, you know, for people who are listening, who are thinking, I'm going to start my business and it's going to be a straight line from start to finish. That's not how it goes, right? It's all, it's all these different surprises that pop up along the way that you hadn't considered, not in your business plan or <laughs> your five-year plan, right? And I think those parts of running a business are the most exciting to me. I mean, I remember too, I mean, I, I kind of laugh at this, but when I first started my business, so many people would say, okay, great, what's your exit plan? And I thought, well, we haven't even really entered yet. <laughs> people are wondering, how. you know, I think like in, in, in something that I've even had to learn myself, you know, I think especially in American culture, there's that need to, you know, you, you get up and going and you, you run with as quickly as you can, you grow, you grow, you get equity, you get external investors to come in and then you try to sell your business. And we, we don't have any external investors, you know, it's maybe something that we'll consider later on, but we, we bootstrapped our own business. And, you know, it's even a, a moment of patience that I've had to learn from, from learning from Aki and learning of more of a, of a traditional way of looking at things. And, you know, for us, we, we're loving doing what we're doing, you know, and I think that that makes it, you know, I think sometimes you hear people say, you know, you got to love what you do. And it's, it's, it, it almost sounds cheesy, but it's, it's really, I mean, the satisfaction I get every day of waking up and hearing about a, cons- uh, a customer who loved their care package or, you know, finding out an interesting food that I hadn't heard before that we're going to feature in our next care package, or there's just so much that I, I really enjoy doing. And so for me, I mean, I'm not even thinking of A to Z. I don't, I don't know what Z is and I don't even know if, you know, where W is going to be or, you know, the next letter of the alphabet. I mean, we're not sure what's going to happen, but we even think just, you know, Aki and I meeting and the way that we work so well together. I mean, people always think it's crazy, but we've literally only met three times in person, wow. <laughs> and, and, but we have a business and we completely trust each other and we completely are on the same page on so many things. And listen, you know, there's some things that we disagree about, but we just both believe in what we're doing so much. And so we, we have no, you know, necessarily destination end. we just want to be able to produce the best quality product we can for our customers and to create a feeling of community. And if we can do that, then we feel that, you know, we've accomplished everything and that every day that we work as hard as we do is, is absolutely worth it. That's really very inspiring. So yeah, get out there and try your own thing if you're listening <laughs> and and enjoy the challenges as they come along. Yeah, that's, that's good advice to take uh, with you from what Lillian's just said. So now that we've heard about this, I just have to know what is happening when this episode comes out. It's going to be June, the end of June. So if someone wants to sign up for a care package in July or August, what are going to be the themes or seasonal things that you're going to be having in July or August 2021? I am so glad you've asked that. Every month that we get to come up with a new theme is really exciting for us. Uh, it's almost like we get to to get 
a new a blank canvas where we get to sort of make our own creation. So as we get into July, we're actually going to be featuring our theme is Zen and the art of mindful eating. So we really want to sort of uh, bring people together and, and think about Shojin Rori, which is the Buddhist cuisine that it's a vegan style cuisine, but a lot of it is the way that you prepare it, the foods that you eat, there's a very much of a meditative aspect to it. And so our theme for July is going to focus on really connecting you back to food and eating mindfully and, and focusing on a little bit more of a, of a vegan cuisine and, and something that can really nourish your body. And so that's going to be our theme for July. And then as we get into August, we're going to be featuring some Japanese herbs. So we're going to look at sourcing traditional Japanese herbs that are incorporated into some of our unique products to really introduce people to really authentic and, and sort of raw Japanese flavors. And so those are going to be our, our two upcoming themes. And especially for your audience, we're actually going to put together a discount code. And so if they use code transformations at checkout, that's with the S at the end, and they can get 10% off their first order of a subscription care package. And this will be available for them as they need. So even if they listen to this sort of later on, uh, they'll be able to use that code for for whatever theme is coming up that we've uh, that we've concocted. Cool. So yeah, if you're listening to this episode and it's not June or July 2021, that's okay. You can still go and check out what the what the the, the new theme for the month is. You can still use that that bonus uh, discount code transformations with an S on the end. Is that a big T at the start or a little T? Is it uh, big or little T? Either will work. Oh, okay, great. All right. Well, that's exciting. And I don't know about any listeners out there, but I definitely have to go and have a look and see what, what this is all about. I'm very interested to find out. Yeah. Just because I, and I know, I think all parents, especially parents who are in charge of cooking for everyone, you know, most nights of the week, you pull your hair out trying to figure out what is going to be for dinner tonight and tomorrow night and the next night. And you end up having this sort of rotation of about 10 dishes that you tend to to cook, you know, just the same old things because it's so draining to try and figure out what to, to cook next. Yeah. So having these things arriving is kind of a intrinsic motivation to try new things to to try new flavors and to cook something different for your family and yeah without having to go to a lot of effort I feel because it's all provided for you you just it all just shows up right exactly and with all the recipes too and we always find it wonderful you know I I I do know a lot of people who order it who have young kids and uh, some of them have kids who've never been to Japan, but now love Japan, want to go, think it's their favorite country ever just because they've had sort of some taste and glimpse through our care packages. And it's always so wonderful to see people coming around a dining, a dining table again and, and sitting down and having a meal together and talking and enjoying new foods and, and, and just sort of sharing that, that sense of family that I think a lot of us in this you know, hectic world that we're living in now kind of um, maybe have forgotten about a little bit. Yeah. And I know I have a lot of Japanese friends who are living overseas and that they can't come back because of coronavirus right now. Either they can't bring their families back with them or they're reluctant to come because of, you know, there's a two week quarantine when you arrive or there may be some, you know, some difficulty for their family to visit if people with people coming in from overseas and things. So yeah, being able to order something like this to arrive and surprise them and give them a little taste at home would be really, yeah, really lovely just right now, I think for a lot of people. So I hope if you're listening overseas that you'll take advantage of this as well. Even if you're in Japan, you can too. Yeah. And so where can people find you if they want? Well, obviously, kokorokares.com is your website. But if they would just want to see, um, you know, what are what are other people saying about Kokoro Cares? Where is the best place for them to find 
find you guys on social media? Yeah. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, and Pinterest as well, all at, at Kokoro Cares. And they can always email us as well. I mean, I, I still, you know, we're still very much a small business. So if you email info at kokorocares.com, you will get a response from me. <laughs> um, and so I'm always more than happy to, to talk to our community. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's whether or not you want to reach out to, through social media or email. I mean, sort of connecting with people is is really makes our day. And, you know, some of the comments that we get just really make everything that we do worth it. And so we're happy to connect and chat and, and hear about what you're thinking or any ideas, or if there's something that you missed from Japan or something that you've been willing to wanting to try, we're, we're more than happy to see if we can find that for you and maybe put it in our next care package. There you go. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Lillian, and making time, even though you're way over there in Los Angeles and it's not, it's what's 10 o'clock in the morning here and you're at like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night or something. Is that, is that right? Where you are now? Yeah, well, I'm actually in Toronto at the moment, which is my hometown. So it's nine o'clock at night here and it would be 6 p.m. In, in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. So thank you for yeah coming on at this time of the day and yeah, opening up a new new world to us of, of yeah, these really special foods that we can get access to through Kokoro Cares and all the best for, for the future of your business. It's going to be great. Thank you so much, Jane. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and just to share a story with your audience. All righty. So yeah, everyone go and take advantage of the coupon code transformations for 10% off. Thank you so much and keep in touch, Lillian. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Jane. Bye. So that was the interview with Lillian today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing about not only, you know, the origin story of this online business, but yeah, just how amazing it is that they're helping so many of these small, you know, food producers and connecting Japan with the world at a time, especially, you know, even though it's coronavirus and difficult to travel and even difficult to ship the things sometimes, somehow they manage to get through all of that. And yeah, their their care packages go to 35 different countries in the world. That is so amazing, considering that a lot of these producers are still using their fax machine to, to get orders and things, right? They're connecting this two different eras, yeah, this sort of modern digital era with the era of of, you're creating the more analog era, yeah, where some of these producers, you know, still operate in this way. And as I said, I, my parents-in-law have a fax machine and they use it. And I, I just can't believe it. I'm like, who do you need to fax? But, you know, this is how they communicate in their, in their farming world. So yeah, a great, great service that Lillian and her co-founder are creating. So go and check them out um, on Instagram, Pinterest. Uh, they have a website. Use that. Uh, discount code transformations to get 10% off. And even if you're listening to this like a year later, then it's still a valid a valid code. And if it doesn't work, just let them know, you know, they're, they're right there. So just email them and say hi, say you heard about it on the Transformations with Jane podcast and yeah, become part of their community as well. It sounds like it's a really fun community to belong to. So as you know, we are going to twice a month now on the podcast, not weekly episodes. And I think that's really what I needed. I very much enjoyed having weekly episodes for the last few months, but it's been pretty hectic as well, trying to get them out each week to you. And I kind of felt like I wasn't giving enough attention to each guest that came on as well. So I, uh, I mean, afterwards and, you know, marketing the episodes and, and having more people hear about it and things. So yeah, that's kind of why I've decided to go to two episodes, but also because Pod Launch with Jane and my other 
podcasting business is really booming at the moment. And I also want to make sure that I'm, you know, have enough time for my clients and to do the work to help get their podcasts out there as well. So you'll be seeing more and more podcasts coming out in the near future that I'm helping to launch and to to market as well. And recently, you know, I've also been helping podcasts that are already launched, they're already out there, but nobody was listening. So yeah, helping them to get more listeners, to uh, direct more people to their episodes, which, you know, is, is really important that these, you know, we're getting these messages out there in podcast form, but yeah, if nobody listens at this kind of a, a little bit of a wasted effort. So the marketing is also very important. And if that's something you're struggling with, then maybe you should get in touch and we can work out how, you know, our team, it's a team now that's more than just me here over at uh, here at PodLaunch can help you out. That's all I have for you today. And I will see you again in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram. I'm actually doing more sort of lives and videos and things over there about more daily stuff about what's happening or any sort of my own transformation work that I'm doing. It's always an ongoing thing here at the Transformations with Jane podcast headquarters. I'm always yeah working on that in some way or another. And I'd love you to come along for the ride as well. So thank you so much and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.